Good morning. Well, it's great to continue in the Lord's Prayer this morning. I hope, I hope this has been a great series for you and that it's kind of developed a rhythm in your prayer life and hasn't just become kind of this rote exercise of reciting this prayer, but you've, you've viewed the Lord's Prayer as a, as a template for your personal relationship and your quiet time with the Father. It's been great. This morning we are going to look at forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And those of us that consider ourselves Christ followers, especially if you've been a Christian for a long, long time, it's easy to kind of camp out in this way of thinking where you realize, you know, my sins are forgiven, I'm a follower of, of Jesus, I know what's going to happen when my life on earth ends, and you feel like you've got this forgiveness thing down. But after so many years, sometimes we can kind of lose touch with where our heart is at, especially with respect to other people and the concept of forgiveness. So what, is this, what does this mean for our relationship with others and our ongoing communion and intimacy with, with, with the Father? Maybe this concept of unforgiveness is just too heavy and you think, no, I'm good, I don't have any unforgiveness towards people. But what if, what if I reframe it as a grudge? If you're honest, are there people in your life when you go to work or to school or maybe even come to church on a Sunday morning and you kind of see that person across the room, do you feel a little twinge in your heart of, of unforgiveness, of a grudge that maybe you've been holding on to for, for so long? That's a form of unforgiveness as well. So, there's some implications here as we evaluate this concept of, of unforgiveness in our lives. Sticking with the basketball theme for a bit, we've got, we had Nate sharing with, with uh, our basketball camp. You guys might recognize this guy. This is my favorite athlete, my favorite basketball player. This is Michael Jordan, and this is at his Hall of Fame speech a few years ago. Now, the interesting thing about Michael, I mean, I've got so many great memories about him and the way he played, uh, the excellence that he had when he played, the championships that he won. But in his Hall of Fame speech, he made some interesting points. He basically had a list, and you can watch it online or read the transcript. He had a list of grudges that he kept throughout his entire career that fueled his competitive drive and really, in a sense, in his mind, brought him to the next level in the way that he played the game. So whether it was a playoff series or just a regular season game, he would figure out some kind of grudge. So if he was just playing the Celtics, second month of the season, he would remember something from last year, something that the Celtics assistant coach said to him on the way to a timeout or something that a fan did, and he would use that as fuel. Basically, unforgiveness to fuel his his uh, competitive drive. So while that may work if you're a professional athlete and you need that extra edge, it's not going to work for us. We're not, uh, we're not looking to live life that way. In, in our everyday life, we're looking to be a Christ follower and to emulate Jesus. In fact, we want to become more and more like Jesus in our lives. Now that might feel like a lot of pressure, But here's the thing, you realize it's not all up to you, right, to become more and more like Jesus. In Philippians 1.6, Paul says, He who began a good work in you 
will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So Jesus wants this. He's committed to it. We yield to the Spirit to become more and more like Jesus. Try working against that. It's not fun. We have freedom, right? So we don't have to yield. We don't have to partner with this. But it's not fun. It's actually pretty miserable to not yield and not partner with the Holy Spirit as a Christian. So even as Christ followers, we can become hardened, we can become bitter, we can become unforgiving people. But what is Jesus calling us to do in the Lord's Prayer? Let's stand. We're going to read the Lord's Prayer together as, we, as, as we've been doing in this series. And we will see what Jesus has to say to us today. This is in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. It's on the screens and it's in your bulletin outline as well. Let's read this and in fact pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please take a seat. In the immediate context of the Lord's Prayer, and thinking about this concept of forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, there's actually kind of a shocking couple of verses that follow this prayer. I'm going to read these for you. They're on the screen as well. This is the verses that follow the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. So let that sink in for a minute. This is what you would call one of the hard sayings of Jesus. And I think with these, we really have to, in a sense, kind of give ourselves over to this, this verse for a second. Just feel the weight of that. I mean, we have the benefit of having the entire Scripture, so we can take a look at the entire biblical record and we can take things into account like progressive revelation. We've got some other, we've got the, the gospel of grace that Paul teaches us, us about. By the way, he got that from Jesus, so it's not conflicting. Uh, in, the, in Paul's letters, especially in the book of Romans. So we can actually, in a sense, take a difficult saying like this and harmonize it with the rest of Scripture. Kind of build systems, that systematic theology. You take a look at what the whole Bible says and when it was said, and was this before the cross, after the cross, and you can make sense of it, and I can do that for you if you'd like, but today, I'd rather you just kind of feel the weight of what Jesus says there. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty heavy. It should bother us, especially if we're holding on to unforgiveness and grudges in our hearts. But if we're not, it shouldn't bother us, right? If we're committed to being forgiving people, it shouldn't actually be that terribly difficult to read something like that. But what is our trajectory this morning? As a Christian or as someone who's exploring the possibility of faith in Christ, are you going to be growing in grace and forgiving people and becoming more and more like Jesus? Or are you going to go this way and say, you know, in spite of Christ's great sacrifice for me on the cross and forgiving my sins, I'm going to choose not to forgive others. What's the trajectory that you want to choose today? 
We have to understand that forgiveness and how, how this relates to our interactions with others and with God is a real thing. So first with God. In relation to salvation and God, forgiveness is absolutely crucial. See, when Jesus forgives our sins, all of our transgressions, all of our iniquity, they're erased and they're wiped from the record. All sins for all time, one sacrifice, payment made, erased. We're forgiven when we place our faith in Christ for what he's done for us. The forgiveness of our sins is like a financial debt, a debt that's been erased. Doesn't it feel good to pay off a debt? Or maybe even it feels better when somebody pays it off for you. I had a friend in college, he had a hefty tuition bill, He was going to go to the office to figure out a payment plan to kind of put together the package, scholarships, grants, loans, this, that, the other, payment plan, all this kind of stuff. Got to the meeting, somebody paid off his tuition. Done. Paid in full. What a great feeling. That's what it's like when you place your faith in Christ. He takes care of your sin, and it's gone, past, present, and future. But here's the thing, we continue to sin, so it's not so much that our sins aren't forgiven, but where is our fellowship, where is our relationship with Jesus at when we choose to walk in sin? Then we're not aware of our identity in Christ, and we're not, in a sense, sensing that closeness with the Father. So in that sense, it's great to deal uh, with our daily sins, We know we're forgiven, but we need that daily cleansing and to be able to sense that there's not something blocking our communion with God. There's actually, in this passage, there's a certain word used for sin, debt. There's five key Greek words in the New Testament, but the word used here is the literal word debt, the balance owed. We owed the debt of sin. In John 19.30, Jesus says, It is finished. This is him saying, literally, it is paid in full. So Jesus dismisses all the charges against us when we trust in him and we're forgiven. But then we also have a responsibility. As a forgiven person, we want to extend that to others. It's a necessary and normal part of our walk with Christ. And here's the thing. God's gracious forgiveness of our sin is the measure that we're to use in forgiving Others. Here's a couple of references for you on the screen, Ephesians and Colossians. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And in Colossians, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave, so you must also forgive others. The idea here is that as Christ followers, we forgive just as we've been forgiven. It's linked together. Intimacy with God can be affected if we don't, in a sense, pay that forward. As a forgiven person, if we're not forgiving towards others, we are not going to sense a vibrant, daily, intimate walk with the Lord. Now, we're all, we're all guilty on this, but it's just an encouragement to Keep short accounts. Allow the Spirit to search your heart each day so that you can continue to be a forgiving person. Um, Sometimes when we're not forgiving, we're pulling away from God. 
and we're going into kind of like a self-righteous expression of our faith. So it's not that we feel like we're ready to forgive, but we can't see it. We're blinded because we become too self-righteous. That's what's so great about meditating on the gospel, because then that removes, in a sense, the blindness of our own sin, and we can then extend the same to others. Now, when we forgive people, it's important to have a bit of a sense of common sense and boundaries. I mean, you can take this, I don't want to say you can take this too far, but you need wisdom when you're looking at uh, extending forgiveness to people, right? Um, For example, you don't want to hear this message today, and then at the end of the sermon, Say, wow, you know, I really need to, uh, I really need to seek out, uh, I need to apologize and ask for forgiveness, you know, so you go to somebody across the room and say, hey, you know, after today's message, I just want to confess and repent of the fact that I actually despise you. And, uh, you know, they might have no idea that you had these ill feelings, right? So in that case, that's not a scenario where you just randomly go up to people because of something going on in your head and all of a sudden bring them into it, right? Sometimes you just need to have a talk with your Heavenly Father and confess those and turn away from those sins. Or there's other scenarios where it's just not possible to talk to someone. You can have a, you can have a talk with an empty chair. You know, just picture an empty chair here, and I can't, actually, I can't actually ever talk to that person. Perhaps they've gone on to eternity, or I just can't ever have that conversation. But for the sake of your sanity and for what it's doing to your life, you can have a talk with an empty chair, or you can write a letter that you're never going to mail. There are ways to have a forgiving attitude, even if you can't have that kind of transactional forgiveness where somebody apologizes, repents, you offer forgiveness, there's reconciliation. You can still extend a forgiving attitude in those situations. I remember one time, a few years ago, in a ministry setting, somebody tipped me tipped not ticked me off, somebody tipped me off that perhaps I had offended someone. Uh, so I was, I was just scratching my head like, shoot, when, when could this have happened? I was just replaying all these scenarios over and over again. And it just, it gnawed at me for weeks and weeks and weeks. I just felt so bad that I had, you know, I had offended this person and it was, it was causing them some stress. And so I thought, okay, I've got to make this right. I don't know what happened, but I've got to make this right. So I pulled them aside on a Sunday, and I just said, hey, you know, this has kind of gone on long enough. I just, w- I just want to apologize. I hear something happened. I, I didn't have any Ill- Can you just kind of help me understand? And the person basically said, oh, that had to do with somebody else, not you. Um, we're good. And I was, uh, so I thought, oh, wow, that was, that was awkward, but it was also a good lesson. Again, stuff goes on in our head, but we need to use wisdom with how we go about seeking out reconciliation. So that was like second or third hand, hey, this person's mad at you kind of a thing, but never person to person. So just to show, just to show you, you can learn some things the hard way, but with for, forgiveness is tricky. So we want to be wise in how we go about seeking uh, reconciliation. All that to say this, point number one, forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. Hurt people hurt people, and forgiven people forgive people. It's another way to look at it. You ever notice that? You might have noticed that in your own life. I want to look really briefly as an example at, at a parable in Matthew 18. This is the parable of the unforgiving debtor. It's a fascinating story. 
Peter. You can turn there if you want. I'm not going to have the scripture up there, but you can look it up in your Bible or on your, on your phone if you'd like. Um, Peter asked a question. Lord, how many, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Peter suggests seven times, which is already kind of above and beyond because the rabbis of the day might suggest three. But Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus isn't saying go for 491 and then you're done, or 490 and then you're done. He's saying an unlimited amount of times. In other, be always ready to extend forgiveness when somebody comes to you. That was countercultural then and it is now as well. Typically, we've kind of got a limit with people. We'll forgive for this or for that, but not for these things. Or we'll forgive this many times, but then we're done. We've got kind of a list. We've written people off. Let this sink in. As a Christ follower, we shouldn't actually be like that. Jesus um, goes on to further explain the story. He says, The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. One of these debtors had borrowed literally millions. Okay, So the king orders that his wife, his kids, everything he has, it's sold to pay off the debt. But this servant begs him, verse 26, Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. The king extends this extreme graciousness, releases him and forgives all of his debt. Think about that as a picture with us and our Father and the sin that separates us from God. This is what Jesus has done. He's forgiven all of our debt, all of our sin. Now that should, that should well up within you just an incredible amount of generosity and kindness and mercy towards others. However, the servant doesn't get that. He doesn't believe that forgiven people should forgive. So he leaves the king, he grabs another fellow servant, grabs him by the throat and says, you pay me what you owe me. Do you ever catch yourself doing this? You're on the receiving end of mercy in this situation and then you fail to extend it over here. You might have got called out at something for work. Your boss is lenient with you. Whew. you. You got grace and mercy. You go home and you yell at your kids. Uh, it's easy to, to kind of look the other way on these things sometimes. So the servant falls before him and says, Be patient with me. I'll pay it. Sound familiar? This is exactly what the first guy did to the king. He says, I'll pay it. But that doesn't happen. And he's thrown into prison until he can pay it back. Well, people hear about this. They report this to the king. And um, he says this, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? So the story ends with, the king sending the original man back to prison to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. Then Jesus says this in verse 35. Here we go, another hard saying. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you, forget, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's a tough statement. I think God wants us to feel the weight. And it's consistent with that tough saying in the Lord's Prayer within the Sermon on the Mount. But again, what Jesus is saying to us is this. He's not 
going to ask us to do anything that he's not willing to do. So our forgiveness towards others should be unlimited, just like his is. You know, to get this, I think we just, we, we really have to ingest the gospel on a different level than maybe we haven't done before. Um, the gospel isn't just for that one-time event when you put your faith in Christ. So the gospel isn't, whether you became a Christian 20 years ago, or two years ago, or two weeks ago, or two days ago, the gospel isn't just for that time. It's for every day. We need a gospel perspective every day. I was at a conference a couple months ago. There was a speaker there. He had this term. It was gospel fluency. What that meant was, how congruent is your life, your daily life, with the gospel? Do you apply the gospel to your eternal state and that's it? Or do you apply the gospel to your interactions with people? How you live your life, how you work, how you relate to others. That's the idea. Again, the alternative, if we can't get this forgiveness thing, the alternative is we have to tell Jesus why, when we give an account for our life, why we've decided to withhold forgiveness even though he has forgiven all of our sins. So here's a challenge for all of us. Meditate on the gospel in a very specific, unique way that you've never done before. Do that every day for two weeks. Choose some scripture. Think, how, does the, how is the gospel echoing in this scripture? Meditate on that. Thank God for the gospel in your life, for what that's done. Do that for two weeks and then see if it's even possible to hold on to your grudge or your unforgiving attitude towards person A, B, or C. Just try that. Try that. You see, forgiveness is tricky, but there's a few things that forgiveness is not. And I want to take a look at that now. Forgiveness is not the absence of anger at sin. It's not the absence of anger. So it's not like all of a sudden you feel good about something that was an incredibly bad experience. So as an example, if your business partner wronged you or stole from you, forgiving him or her is not, is not the process of all of a sudden feeling good about what happened, feeling good about what they did. But forgiveness is a commitment to pardon the offender, not to feel good about what happened. You actually choose to pardon them. Another idea, forgiveness is not the absence of consequences for sin. So even when we're forgiven of our sins by Jesus, we may still suffer the natural consequences of that sin or face the ongoing kind of restorative uh, discipline of our Heavenly Father to bring us back to where He wants us. Because again, Jesus is committed to us being more and more Christ-like. So we can partner with that or not partner with that, but it's going to happen if you're a true follower of Christ, right? Um, Think about it this way. If there's a marriage breakdown and the original partners go their separate ways, even remarry, there's consequences with that marriage separation and divorce, right? There's pain experienced, especially if there's children involved. There's real consequences. Um, Now, hopefully the divorced couple can, over time, kind of have an amicable relationship and reconcile on a number of issues, but it's not, it's not likely to return uh, to the original situation, right? They're not going to divorce their new spouses and get back together. So there's going to be some measure of forgiveness and reconciliation, but not 
necessarily a restoration to the original situation. And that's the next point. Forgiveness is not the automatic restoration of trust or simply forgetting. Back with this marriage idea. If there's an abuse situation of abuse going on, forgiving an abusive spouse today doesn't mean that the marriage separation should end tomorrow. Rebuilding trust is a process that involves confession, repentance, reconciliation. But it's a process. So you can choose not to hold someone's sin against them, and you can release them from that debt, and at the same time, it doesn't necessarily automatically restore something. It's also not simply forgetting because it's an act of the will. We have to that that whatever happened is is going to be there in a sense and that can be healed. But while you're waiting for that, you're choosing. Again, you're choosing to forgive. Some people forgiveness might seem like a weakness, but it's actually a strength. Because it's a deliberate act of love, mercy, and grace. I've got a list here. This might be helpful. If you think your heart's pretty good, you don't have a lot of unforgiveness kind of settling in or bitterness towards people, here's kind of some filters you can run things through to see where you're at. Because again, it's easy over time to just push stuff down and think that we have a forgiving lifestyle when maybe we've been holding on to some grudges. So try filtering some thoughts through this. Here's a heart check. Forgiveness means you, here's all the things, you resist revenge. So when you've forgiven somebody from your heart, you're not, you're not vengeful, right? We leave that to God. God is sovereign. We entrust people to God, but we don't seek revenge. So if you've forgiven somebody, you're not going to be revengeful. If you've forgiven someone, you're not going to return evil for evil. It's pretty natural to kind of lash out at the beginning, but if you've gone through a process with Jesus around forgiveness, you're not going to return evil for evil. You're going to actually wish them well. Luke 6.38 says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. You're going to wish them well. That's really tricky. If things are really fresh in a difficult situation, it's, it's really hard to, to want good things for somebody who hurt you or did something to you. But again, keep going back to the gospel. Where is our capacity to do this? It comes from the gospel what Jesus did for us. Grieve at their troubles. If you've forgiven someone, you actually will grieve when things are going poorly for them. Proverbs 24:17. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. How many times have we we've had a situation with someone and then it goes terrible for them and we're like, I told you so, and we get a sense of satisfaction about it. That's a tough one. Seek reconciliation. Romans 12:18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. I think with reconciliation, sometimes we, we get stuck on this. We think, okay, I've been wronged, so I'm going to wait for that other person to seek a process of reconciliation. They need to confess and repent, and then I will... Give a forgiving attitude. Now, that may generally be 
how it works or how it should work. But here, let me complicate it for a second. Again, back to the gospel. Who sought reconciliation with you and God? Was it you or was it God? Or was it both? You know that tension of free will and God's sovereignty? Don't get caught picking a camp. Affirm both. The Bible is very clear on both of those. So Jesus pursues us, and out of our free will and conviction, we choose God. So again, with reconciliation, you have to be careful with this, but you, if you feel like you were the person wronged, you can still seek out a process. You can at least kind of touch, do a check and see where that person is at. Is there the, no, they're not ready? Okay, I'll just continue to maintain this attitude of forgiveness. But you can actually seek out that process with wisdom as well, even if you feel like you've been the one, you were the one that was wrong. Remember, there's another side to the story. They might be over there waiting for you to do the same thing, because in their mind, they've been wronged. So that's, that's another tricky one. Finally, forgiveness means you come to their aid. If you can actually help somebody in a time of need who has hurt you, you've got a forgiving heart. So this is challenging, challenging things to think about. But final point this morning, forgiveness is intentional. We have to choose to forgive. We have to choose to forgive. It's intentional came across something interesting this week as reading some articles about forgiveness. Apparently, a number of cancer clinics are beginning to offer forgiveness therapy. Have you heard about this? Forgiveness therapy as a supplement to medical treatment. They're finding that emotional wounds, anger, and unforgiveness uh, have a physiological response and can hinder treatment, can hinder the attitude of someone as they approach treatments. So they're offering forgiveness therapy at some cancer clinics. It's, all, it's these people having a choice to be intentional. Okay, I'm facing this illness. Maybe there is something I need to deal with that can help me go on this journey of treatment and hopefully beat this disease with God's help. And people are being intentional about forgiving in the midst of a difficult time in their life. See, forgiveness is a deliberate act of love, mercy, and grace, and we choose to not hold something against another person. That's really, really difficult to take to heart. A few years ago, um, out of the blue, I just started feeling kind of like this twinge in my spirit, like, hey, something that happened uh, nearly 20 years ago, I need to try to make this right. I hadn't, I hadn't really been carrying around this burden of unforgiveness or anything like that. In fact, in this case, it was something that I did that I felt like I needed to apologize for. Um, it, was with a, it was with a coach on a team that I was on many, many years ago. So this might have been like an empty chair thing or write a letter and never mail it type situation. But with social media, we're not off the hook anymore, right? You can always find that person that you need to find to make things right. So I connected with this person um, on social media and wrote a private message. I knew it would get to them because we were already connected. Sometimes if you write a private message to someone, you're not connected on that network. It'll just go to a junk folder. I knew it had been read, so I made my apology, tried to um, suggest some things that maybe I could do to make things right. Crickets. No response. So then now it's back in my court. So I've tried to apologize, try to make things right 
no response. Now I have to guard against, I was the original person that did something wrong, but now I have to guard against unforgiveness because this person won't let the process play out, right? So there's many, many different angles to this. Just That's just an example for you. By the way, with social media, use wisdom there too. I'm not telling you if you're married, go on social media and find all these people from your life, ex, you know, uh, steady dates and all this and try to work. No, just leave it be. But you can find people if you need to. If something's gnawing at you, it's a very connected world right now. Um, in closing, I want to say this. Take a minute right now and just ask God, is there anybody that I'm holding a grudge towards? Is there anybody that I haven't forgiven that I need to? Write down their names. Try to think of three names if you can. If they're sitting beside you, just make a mental note. In fact, we can all just make a mental note that nobody thinks, oh no. It's, um, but take a minute. It should be pretty fresh and right there. When you go to pray sometimes, it's like there's a block and you know it's something that you haven't dealt with or you haven't um, you know, confessed to the Father. Make a note of that. Then on the back of your sermon outline, we're not going to go through this now in terms of practicing it, but on the back of your sermon outline, there is a process for forgiving others. You can take that out right now and look at that as I briefly go through that. It's a simple kind of step-by-step process. This um, isn't the be-all and end-all of forgiving people, but this is a helpful way to think through it. Step one, after you've God's kind of told you who you need to forgive, you tell God, I'm choosing to forgive today this person. So you basically come clean. God, I'm going to forgive this person. Today I am forgiving this person. Number two, identify and ask yourself, what does this person stole from me or what does he or she owe me? Be honest about the pain that this situation has caused. Usually we're bitter or unforgiving because somebody took something from They caused us pain in our life. Be honest about that. Call it what it is. Then, as we've been talking about, go back to the gospel. Praise God, thanking him for his grace and forgiveness for all of your sins. Not some of your sins, all of your sins no matter what they are, no matter what you've done. And remember, your sin debt was unpayable, but God forgave you. That's where the power comes to forgive people, meditating on the gospel. Number four, repent of any bitterness you may be holding. So you actually verbalize this in your prayer. God, I confess today that I have been bitter towards so-and-so, and I turn from that now and I release it to you. Here you could also renounce, if there's a lie that you've been believing that's led you to hold on to that bitterness, you can renounce that lie and in turn believe the truth. Number five, God, I praise you for being a forgiving God. I choose right now to forgive so-and-so for this. Be very specific. I release that person and choose not to hold this sin against him or her. Again, forgiveness is intentional. You make a choice not to hold this sin against him or her. Finally, you praise God for his forgiving power released in you today. Now, ideally, this would be like a transaction of forgiveness. The other person would uh, apologize, confess, repent. You would be reconciled. But because it's a messy world, that doesn't always happen. And if that doesn't happen, the only person that's getting hurt if you don't forgive is yourself. So you can still walk through this process to cultivate an attitude of forgiveness so you're ready to do that. 
Why don't you go ahead and stand up? We're going to read the Lord's Prayer one more time as a final thought. Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen in the book of Acts, echoing Jesus' words. Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Their words show this definite willingness to forgive. And that's what we're praying for today, that God would give us that capacity to live our lives in a forgiving way. Let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can take a seat. If you, uh, if any of this has struck a chord with you and you'd love to talk with someone about it, our prayer team will be available off to the side. You can walk through this process of forgiveness. If you'd like to know more about following Jesus in a personal way, I'd love to chat with you after the service.